If you're okay, I'd like to start with that word association dynamic. Uh, basically, I'll give you a word and you just tell me the first game that comes to mind. Let's start with uh, the first word, which is uh, joy. Mario World. Next word is admiration. Admiration. Uh, the latest God of War game. Next one is trust. Uh, Last of Us. Next word is disappointment. No Man's Sky. <laughs> uh, anger. Anger. I'm just not an angry person, so I'm trying to be like, uh, <laughs> I guess maybe God of War 3. Next word is remorse. Remorse. Um, well, what remains is Edith Finch. Ooh. Redemption. Horizon Zero Dawn. Next one is surprise. Um, probably Terraria. Next word is serenity. Minecraft. Minecraft. Nice. And the uh, last word is hope. Um, Celeste. I'd like to start with the very beginning. And it usually start with first gaming memories. I remember being, I don't know, maybe three, four years old in an old apartment in Tukwila, Washington with my mom and she showed me how to play Super Mario Brothers 3. I remember playing that first stage over and over again because you know I'm little and that's about all I can remember about that specific memory but that's my first gaming memory because I just remember uh, my mom there playing it and just having a great time. And so it was like a good connection moment for me and my mom at the time. So, Wow, so your parents were playing games. It wasn't something that came to you later in life. It was something that your parents like actively, you know, shared with you when you were little. Yeah, and my mom wasn't the biggest gamer. My dad was more. They didn't stay together past when I was age 11. But before that... My dad would always have the latest console. He would sell the previous gen to get the new gen every time. We didn't have a lot of money. We were a low-income family, but we would have Mario. I remember playing track and field. Uh, Super Nintendo was the one where I played like a lot more because I remember he got me Super Mario World and Donkey Kong. And I think it was just like one year where he could actually afford to buy a little bit more games than before, you know. I also remember for like one of my first big gifts, getting Yoshi's Island from my grandparents on my mother's side because they had this kind of fun, playful feud with my other grandparents, like who could get Josh the best gift. So they got me Yoshi's Island and uh, apparently my other grandparents were like annoyed by them, like, oh my God, I can't believe they got that for him, you know, and stuff like that. But yeah, I remember that too. My mom, the thing is, is, I didn't know that part until later in life. And my mom told me that story. I was just like, that's crazy. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Do you know if, if your parents were playing games before you were there? I think my dad had Atari and stuff like that before I was born. But I, 
I don't really know much about it. I, I never actually asked him. I, I probably could, but I, I know that he just kind of had a passing interest. It's kind of like one of the things that he would just do for fun. He didn't take it like super serious or anything. It's just like, oh, you know, I'll grab a couple games here and there just to hang out and play. You know, I think my mom really didn't care about it. She has told me that she played in the arcades and stuff when she was a kid. But um, I think that she seemed me and my brothers grow up with it. She did have more of an interest and found games that she liked as well. You know, when do you remember that you got like really hooked with games? I can't remember a time since I've been alive that I haven't been like hooked on games. You know, I've always liked them. Um, there's been times in school where, you know, I'm more focused on social stuff or school or, you know, stuff like that, where I would kind of not play as much. But, you know, I've always had that interest and was interested in what games were doing and how they were changing and stuff as time went on. So it's kind of been one of the things that I've stuck with forever, as far as I can remember, you know. When do you think or what game maybe changed your perspective on, hey, this is not just like a like another toy, like another just source of enjoyment, but it became something more meaningful to you? Did it happen earlier or later in your life? I would think that throughout the Super Nintendo era, I would probably consider that like, oh, this is a fun little thing I can do. You know, this is just fun times. And then the first game I can probably think of is Metal Gear Solid 1. I don't think I really understood the storyline too well because I was like eight or nine when that came out. So I'm like, this game is cool. It's doing something different. And I remember playing it over and over the first parts. And it's not really that long of a game. And then I remember just enjoying the storyline and getting through it and overcoming, you know, your evil clone brother at the end and all that. And I just thought it was the coolest thing I ever, ever did in my life. I did this, you know, and um, I remember my play count time at the end because it had like a timer. That's the first time I've ever seen that in a game. And it's like 28 hours. And I'm like, I, I'm sure that's way too long for Metal Gear. But as a kid, I thought that I was like, oh, my God, I spent all this time and I figured all the cool stuff in there, like how you have to change the controller port during uh, uh, Psycho Mantis. You have to change the memory card port over. I was stuck on that boss for like a long time. I was like, what am I supposed to do? And then he's like, change your memory card port over. And I'm like, what? Like actually change it over. And so I did. And it was like, it blew my mind. I was like, oh my God. You know, he, they're doing some weird stuff with that game, like trying different things out. But um, that was the first time that I played a story in a game that was like, legitimately made me think man this is like something i love i would love to see more stories like this and um that's that's one of my favorite series ever i've stuck stuck with it through the entire run of all the games that they put out so so did your general taste in gaming change because of that game i don't know i, st I still like um just games that are fun to be fun because i still love hard difficult platformers now more than i used to I, i just like the carefree fun games where you don't have to think about the story too uh having that story was just something i hadn't experienced before that and then i don't love the genre as much as i used to but i used to play a lot of all the final fantasy games on the playstation one i've played through them all and i would say those were up there too you know i played those after metal gear solid but those had insanely realized worlds and stories and i have fond memories of those games i haven't went back to them but when i was a kid it kind of blew my mind that you know you watch a movie and you have two hours you get told a really great story and i didn't know games could do that until i played those games you know and now like i have to 
play the cool like storyline games now because i just crave that style of storytelling all the time so Tell me about your surroundings earlier on with gaming. Did it facilitate socializing or were your friends were also into gaming? What role did gaming have in your social environment? I did have friends that were into games. We did talk about the latest and greatest all the time. And uh, um, I remember getting Guitar Hero and playing that with my friends. And also when I got my first job, I remember I saved up and bought Rock Band 1 and played with my, well, one of my friends I grew up with, uh, Xevious, and we kind of like separated, like I still talk to him all the time, but during high school, he was one of my closest friends. Yeah, we used to play Rock Band all the time. That was a lot of fun. And I remember playing uh, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, a good amount. And this was more like when I was getting closer to 18, 17 years old, but I, I guess all this will date me and um, make a lot of people who listen to this feel feel old, but that's okay, I guess. Um, but yeah, I was I played uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare two with him and my friends, and oh, also I've never owned a mic- Microsoft console until like a couple years ago, but I had played thousands and thousands of hours of Halo, Halo two, Halo three, Reach, all of those because my friends would have them, and we would go over and I would just play multiplayer with them. And um, I've never, I still haven't played a a campaign for Halo, but I've played so many hours of multiplayer for Halo. Um, So I don't know, it's just kind of a weird thing. Like I I never really felt like I needed to own an Xbox ever because I could be like, "Eh, just go over to uh, Matt's house and we'll just play some Gears and, you know, I'll play some Halo and hang out over there. I I don't need an Xbox, you know. So yeah, games have been around forever for me. Yeah, that's what I'm noticing. Like, I've heard gaming with your parents a lot, but I think this is the first time that someone tells me that they were playing games actively with their grandparents. Yeah, I don't know what my grandma, like, played. She didn't. She never really played, like, a lot, you know, but it'd be like, oh, Josh is over. He He's interested in this, and she wants to be a part of something that I'm interested in. Yeah, that's amazing. So... You know, gaming being such a natural part of you, maybe it's because it might be an age thing. But, you know, for me uh, and for other people that I that I know, gaming is something that is uh, a little bit outside of the world of the people surrounding me. But for you and your social surroundings, for everybody, it was normal. I don't know if it's the friends I picked or what, but I mean, that could probably play a part in it, but... I never thought about it twice. Like everybody is just like, oh yeah, this is just something we do. Like I never really had many handhelds, but I would see people just at school with DSs or Game Boy Advance and playing. And it was like, you know, just normal. Like nobody really thought twice about it. At least that's not how I remember it. Do you remember any situation or time where gaming either got you into any sort of trouble or it was an impediment for you know, whatever? I remember some instances of gaming being a good distraction from stuff, you know, but I I can't think of any like 
things that was it completely negatively affected me at least not off the top of my head so so you've always been like responsible in that sense yeah did your parents um ever like limited your your screen time my mom's pretty relaxed but like ever since i was a kid i've been pretty level-headed about stuff and i kind of know you know what to do and what not to do i'm not really a rebellious type of person i don't think i ever really have been so i think my mom would have said something if i got you know to the point where i'm staying up all night playing whatever game i had at the time um but i i think i regulated my time myself good enough because i didn't really play like too many games growing up like to the point where i'm like sitting there forever i mean occasionally i would but we would just want to go you know drive around we i lived in a small town so we didn't have a lot to do <laughs> so i think i think that my mom was like you know at least they're here playing games having a good time and not out doing something else that could get them into trouble or something so what about later in your life do you feel like also all, all the people are gaming I would say the last few years, uh, I haven't really had too many people in real life to like attach and talk to about games, but I do have the internet, cartridge club, communities, you know, stuff like that, and friends online where I talk games all the time, obviously. And um, my girlfriend, my, well, my now fiance, Sierra, she liked games, but she never really had many growing up. So me and her, that's how we, you know, hang out a lot of times is we'll play a game that we both like and talk about it and just have a good time with games. And um, she gets me into games she likes and I get her into games I like. And that's kind of my modern day uh, in-person interaction with, you know, games, I would say, you know, most of my stuff would take place online, you know, through podcasts that I do and um, watching videos that other people make or listening to podcasts other people make. That's kind of how I interact Um through other people, you know, like-minded people now is mostly online because if I go to work and I try to talk about games, most people want to, uh, especially in the area I am, they mostly just want to talk about sports or, you know, I don't, I don't really, I mean, that's cool if they like it, you know, I'm, I'm just not interested in sports, you know, I never have been. So they're talking about the Texans game. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but Hey, did you see there's a death stranding trailer coming out, you know, or something <laughs> like that. They, they don't want to talk about that, you know? So, but I can go online and talk to the people I know on there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, especially at work, it's just like, I don't know. I, just, I, I kind of don't talk too much about games at work because it just doesn't feel like I found anybody that actually really wanted to talk about it. At least not at the jobs I've had in the last few years. So, so that changed a little bit. Now you feel more like uh, being a gamer is a little bit of a more of a label than before. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Because like, I could be like, "Oh man, I'm excited for this game coming out," and then the, then they just kind of look at me like, "Okay, yeah." So I guess that's a reverse of a lot of people. They lot some people would grow up like, "Oh, I'm a gamer," and and that would be a negative thing. I don't think it's a negative thing, honestly. I just think that they don't care or they're not interested in it. So if I talk about it, they connect with me on it so they just kind of like don't know what to say type of thing that's what's great about the internet we can find people with like personalities not personalities but interests and have that conversation there when you can't have it in person when does this gaming thing for you got so strong that you not only wanted to play games but you also wanted to create content about it and talk about it and analyze them and you know that kind of thing um i would say 
when I was a kid, I I don't know what around what age, maybe twelve, something like that, ten. G4 TV. That's the first time I ever seen anything that like, dang, you can actually like sit here and have a conversation about games. And you can go a little more in depth with them. I mean, X Play was one of my favorite shows, and I wouldn't be able to watch it all the time because only certain channels had it. So I really did enjoy watching it though. And I was pretty sad when it shut down. And occasionally I'll go on YouTube and watch old G4 TV stuff just because I have that nostalgia for their style, you know, what they used to do. And um, another thing I used to watch, and it's an older podcast, and I think this is this is the very first podcast I ever listened to, is called NoobTube. And they were like a YouTube-based podcast. It was just two dudes. They would talk to a camera and talk to themselves about the news games and uh, drink wine and joke around and stuff and i remember watching that in high school and just being like damn just two dudes chilling talking and this is so entertaining to me and uh, my little brother would make fun of me be like when you watching two guys just talk i'm like i don't know it's fascinating they're talking about games and i can only afford so many games at the time so i'm like games that i can never play they're talking about games i can never play so i've always been interested in that and then when i went to college I only had a couple friends there and they they would not always have time to hang out with me. I only went to college for one year um, and didn't stick through it with it because I couldn't afford it. My financial stuff situation didn't, you know, I couldn't stick through. But I went for one year and I remember getting addicted and just a loving Minecraft to death. It was my favorite game. It's still one of my favorite games of all time right now. And I started watching YouTube videos based on that game and there was a group of people that would do commentaries over call of duty modern warfare 2 and they would talk about the game what's the best guns to use for that and then on minecraft they would talk about the best redstone contraptions and the best way to find diamonds and you just you know i just got really into it so i made a youtube channel when i was in in college and this is about nine years ago 2010 so I decided to try to record some Minecraft and I did that channel for a while just because I saw other people doing it. I was like, man, I could do that. And uh, I go back. They're still there on that old channel. I had a really terrible computer. So all the old videos are at like 15 frames per second. But I still had a really good time just like, you know, just talking about the game. And I got into talking about other stuff besides the game because after a while, you can only talk so much about the game. So it turned into basically a podcast before I had a podcast, you know, and then eventually down the road led to me doing my own solo podcast. Was this before you were, before you became frantic? Uh, so the frantic thing is just the weirdest thing ever. So, um, <laughs> when I was <laughs> like, the name is just kind of happened. So, I mean, like a lot of online handles do, but I was about 14, 15, and I bought Zune, which is basically Microsoft's iPod, if people don't know. But I bought it, and I was like, okay, I need a Microsoft account. you know. So I made... I just started typing random things in there. It's like, frantic. Okay, that sounds... Okay, frantic. So, eh, I don't know. And I started just putting two words together that until something wasn't taken. And then what I ended up landing on was Frantic Society which is my Twitter handle, my YouTube channel. And I just kind of stuck with it. And then 
the name frantic is just like kind of just there you know and i was just like you know i don't, I, I like the the sound of it and then it's kind of what I, what i've went by since then So you're saying that you really enjoyed conversation style podcasts, but I've always seen you like doing, well, that I know, like doing solo things, right? I don't know if it's this, I don't really feel like I'm a loner, but I was just like, you know what, I'm going to start this. I just need to start something. I need to do something because there's like a few years there where I wasn't doing anything and I had a, that you old YouTube channel, I was making stuff pretty consistently and I just stopped. And I was like, man, I, w- I just want to make something. So I was like, you know what? I could sit down and make a podcast by myself. And that's just kind of how it happened. So I've always liked your style of you're very positive and And that's usually not the case, especially in these times. Do you also feel that about yourself? I would say I do suffer from some anxiety. Occasional spouts the depression here and there. But the thing is, is I don't like putting that face forward into the world. And I try to keep that stuff to a minimum. If I need to talk to somebody, I talk to somebody here in real life or I message somebody online or I call my mom, just somebody I can, you know, relate to. I don't feel like I need to put out every single time I'm having a terrible day or think negatively about something into the world for other people to read. Like, what's the point? You know, I feel like if I put out something positive that people can listen to. And I, if you listen to my podcast, you, there are times where I'm like, I share a lot on there. I'm very personal. I'll talk about, you know, I got fired from my job. I talked that whole story and talk about how, you know, that was terrible and stuff like that. I do occasionally go into that, but I like to put the most positive energy out there, and, you know, get all hyped up, excited about the newest things coming out, or I've just played this game or, Hey, I just watched this great movie or whatever. I could send this negative tweet that someone will just scroll by and look at, and then just kind of frown at, or I can send this positive tweet. I think, oh, that's something nice and reshared, or, you know, that might have just turned their day around a little bit. And um, I just don't see the point in being negative and angry all the time. I just don't like to put that face forward if I can help it. Are you also attracted to those kind of traits in the media that you consume? I try not to watch too much negative stuff too, I mean, because... That is, that is, if you go to YouTube and you look up anything, you're going to find that negative spot. Um, I try to not let this stuff get under my skin too, because sometimes people are just like overly negative when they don't need to be. I always joke around like, oh, I like The Last Jedi because, you know, so many people were so negative about that movie. And I'm just like, it's just a movie, but people debate about it and debate and debate. And I'm just like, I don't care about the debate. I just want to be happy and love the thing I like, you know, enjoy the thing I liked, you know, but um, I'm not against having that conversation or having that debate from time to time, but I just don't like it. Like this entertainment style, like conversation to be like such, such a negative thing. There's so much negative stuff that's not entertainment related. I'd rather have all my, entertainment and interactions around that be positive because it's supposed to be a distraction from the negative why 
bring the negative into it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I guess you have belief, right, that there's too much negativity out there for the sake of just being negative. Okay, so I just saw this, uh, the new live-action Aladdin remake, right? And I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as I was hoping to like it. So I'm not going to... I could go out there and be like, you know, this movie sucked. I tried to, it didn't suck. It was, it was fine, but it wasn't, I, I was hoping for a little more than I got. Uh, Cause I love the original so much. So I go out and make a tweet. I'm like, I just outlined the good parts of it. And I'm like, oh yeah, Will Smith did better than I thought he would. It was better than I thought. And, you know, I didn't say that movie was horrible and it sucked or anything, you know? So I, some people, I, I have gotten this a couple of times say that I am not critical enough because I am so positive you know, outlook. Like if I'm trying to look at something critically and I'm just looking at all the positives and not the negatives, I don't know if people take that as seriously. So I'm sitting here like that Aladdin movie, like saying, you know, it's an okay movie, but I can't take all the goods and just say, Oh, go see the movie because of these good things. I don't know. It's hard for me. I I don't like to say that I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm not that critical because I look at stuff through that lens, but I don't know. <laughs> That's something that I kind of think about when I'm doing the podcast too. Cause it's like, you know, I'm enjoying this, but I'm not. And it's like, how do I want to state it without sounding super negative? I'm not going to like everything I take part in. This is something I think about sometimes. I'm generally of the uh, downer type, but I don't express my ideas so often, but I do feel them right. Like I, I don't like a certain movie. I'm disappointed about this and that. Like, it's very easy to go and find, like, the negative stuff. Because it's out there, it's very popular, because it's very mm -hmm. incendiary, you know, it, it catches it catches on really quickly. Yeah, because it's easy to just be like, oh, I'm disappointed in this, and just keep watching people that think the same way as you, and then, you know, yeah, I see what you mean. I think that that is part of your brand, if we want to call it like this. I know that Josh is always going to say something positive. Like, I can't imagine what positive he can say about this specific thing. But I go to you to see what sort of twist you put on. This is something that I feel because I consume the media that you put out there. And I know, you know, that this is something that you tend to do. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you have some sort of a bias to go on and say something positive about something, you know, being like on the other extreme sort of thing. I see what you mean, but I just think I, I tend to latch onto the positive stuff more often, maybe, uh, and focus on it a little more because if I don't like something or I didn't really enjoy it as much, I probably will just not talk about it or I'll just mention it and then move on. But if I can sit here and take this thing that I actually can dissect and tell you all the things I like about it, I will go into it a little bit more. So I could give you an example. Like I played that Anthem. I played Anthem and I didn't particularly care for that game. I thought it was kind of not what I expected it to be. And it, I mean, I know a lot of people loved it. See this, I'm already trying to turn to positive right here talking about it, but uh, <laughs> I didn't really enjoy that game. I played that game for almost 20 hours and I just, felt like I was doing a chore instead of playing a game. See, that that's about all I would say about it, and then I would just move on. But, you know, some people go in more like what they didn't like about it. And that's okay, too. And I just that's just something I don't really talk about or uh, focus on. I try to focus on the more positive parts about it. Like, I, if I was going to talk about it now, I'd say, oh, you know, I like the shooting and I like the flying. It was generally a pretty fun game. 
this wasn't what I expected it to be. Like it sometimes is hard for me to to see the positive things. That's why I feel that that I need those voices to tell me this is something that that people enjoy, right? And, and and that is good. You see, the problem I think is this: that can't be really a debate, right? Because if someone that likes something and someone that dislikes something tries to debate, like what are you debating, right? Really, what you're debating is the other people's tastes, not the movie or the game. You know what I mean? See, that's the thing is that people get stuck on. It. It's like, well, that was a bad movie because this, this, and this. It's like, well, I still had fun with it. I still liked it, you know? And then they're like, well, it was still a bad movie because of this, this, and this. And you're never going to agree ever. You're never going to find that equal footing. So entertainment media, like it's meant for you to be entertained, right? To enjoy it, have a good time. You, you said you enjoyed The Last Jedi. From my perspective... That's great. Like, I hope I liked it. Like, I hope I I could feel those kinds of feelings because I didn't, right? But I'm not going to tell you, hey, you're wrong. It sucked because, you know, because I'm, I'm happy for you. It's, if anything, you should be sorry for the rest of us because we weren't able to, to enjoy it. The movie I could think of that's related to that is Solo that came out, what, six months after. And I felt like more of the original trilogy the original trilogy star wars fans just love solo like oh it's returned to form and i'm just like this feels like a a sci-fi channel movie like that's why that's how i felt going out of it but i'm not going to sit here if someone enjoys it i'm not going to sit there and be like oh that's just a bad movie i could see the positives in it like you know it had cool effects and from the storyline it was it was a decent adventure but i have a lot of little nitpicky things i don't like about it so i mean like i said i mean i try to be positive but i could do that too i could be a little more critical and stuff so what do you think about game reviews so this is what what will happen if if there's a game coming out that i'm not sure about is i will wait for my favorite podcaster to talk about it that's how i usually go about it a lot of people in the cartridge club i take their opinions pretty seriously but i kind of know what everybody's taste is you know like p2 for example i know p2 has similar taste to me when it comes to like the retro platformer style. If he goes out there and he's like, oh, this game's really good, I'm probably going to have a good time with it because I know I have similar interests to him. Uh, going to a bigger site, I can see the score, I can watch the video review, read a video, a reader review. Um, I do like reading some from Kotaku. I feel like they have a good amount of people there that have different interests and stuff. But when it comes to me, I kind of prefer podcasting as my source for knowing about games, I would go to like a giant bomb because I like the crew there. They're big. They're not the biggest, but they're one of the bigger ones. And I kind of know what each of the hosts opinions are there. So I can say, oh, he didn't like that game. Maybe I will because he doesn't like that type of game. It's kind of, I guess, loosey goosey. I, I can't really think of the right word, but I can't take this hard number score like this end all be all like it kind of used to be i i feel like you could be like oh that that game's a seven out of ten and you kind of know what it's going to be like now it's like oh that's a seven out of ten for this particular person but maybe that's a 10 out of 10 for somebody else um i think that game that just came out rage 2 like i haven't personally played it but i can kind of get a feel for how people are feeling about it like i know miles from fucking nerds he's loving it he you know, he went through it. He really enjoyed it. And uh, same for Jake from the Polykill podcast. I know he had a really good time because I could see, hear him talk about it and see him tweet about it. 
And I kind of know where their tastes are because I listen to their podcasts and I can think, okay, if they like that, am I going to like that? And it's just kind of like comparing interest level on different uh, genre or styles. And that's just kind of how I have to go about it because it's, I can see a review score for a 10 out of 10 game and pick it up and personally not enjoy it. There's so many different ways to like go about it, but I kind of just get a feel for a game from everybody else if I'm on the fence about picking it up or not. So there's the actual hard Metacritic and hard scores. I can, I'll look at them and just kind of take a mental note like, okay, this is kind of like what the bigger publications are thinking. But for me, it's better to go to people that I kind of know their taste and, you know, go from there. What do you think about innovation in games in these times? I'm asking this because, you know, we get into this a little bit of a vicious cycle of people like these kinds of things, which is something that you're, you're mentioning, right? You know what you like, you know what your friends like, so therefore there's a demand for this kind of game. So a game like that is developed, is put out of the market, people consume it, and that only makes companies become safer. Like. How do you perceive innovation games? Do you feel that developers are putting stuff that is new, that it that does it makes you excited about, you know, different things? Or do you always like feel like you want a certain experience and you go to consume that kind of experience? There are gonna be particular games that I know I'm gonna like because I like the genre or I like similar games of that style. But if something new and like something interesting comes out, I I'm kind of inclined to try it and pick it up even if the style and genre kind of like rubs me the wrong way like a good example would be dead cells last year I, i was like i'm not the biggest castlevania or metroidvania fan like i like them all enough occasionally i'll play one that i like but sometimes i don't like them and then i the other genre there is you know kind of like that rogue roguelike where you die and have to start over and i'm i always dislike that i'm like i don't i don't want to start over i want to keep going i want to make progression but the thing with that game is is if you die you still are progressing by learning the levels and you know upgrading your weapons and stuff and upgrading your character so i thought that was kind of a cool middle ground and i was like you know i might like this game and i picked it up on like a pc sale and played it on my pc and really like like that game a lot so it's just kind of like i could tell you right now that i don't really love jrpgs like i did when i was a kid I remember I told you I like Final Fantasies back then. And uh, now I've, I kind of avoid turn-based games. I'm not, I, th I feel like they're a little slow. But if there was one that came out that did something or had a story that I just had to experience, maybe I would try it out just to see if I would latch onto it. I'm not against that, you know, trying out different stuff. But um, I always go, to, go back to my, you know, comfort level style of games which would be like a platformer or i do like shooters i always go back to minecraft so i'm always i always have a world going on minecraft that i'll just go and play for 30 minutes an hour here and there i'm just kind of a little more relaxed about it i'm like you know i kind of take it how it comes and i don't really keep like a backlog of games either i'm just like you know i'm just gonna play what i feel like playing right now i mean i could say i have all these games here on my shelf like 
I don't like make a list. I know some people do that and I, I have considered it, but the moment I sit down and write a list of games that I'm going to play next, it kind of feels more like a chore. Like I have to stick to this list. But if I'm playing through a game and then I look on my shelf, like I did this the other day, I, I was playing um, Half-Life because we started a PC podcast recently. That was our second game of the month. So I finished that up and I was like, man, what do I want to play? I look over at my shelf and there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time for Super Nintendo. I popped that in and played through that thing in one sitting. That was like a nice feeling because, you know, if I had that backlog list, I would just look at that like, oh, I got to stick to this. I don't know. I don't want to play any of these, but, eh, you know, I kind of wanted to play this classic that I played when I was younger, you know, type of thing. What do you want to see next in gaming? I, I, I just like seeing like, I don't mind the new takes on an old thing. Um, I like the indie scene. I, li- I like to kind of keep up with what's going on there because there's always a lot of really creative stuff. Okay, Celeste is a good example, like that classic style, you know, retro feel game, but with a nice story in like integrated into it. Um, I saw a trailer recently. It's called, I think, 19, like 198X, like 1980 something. It has like a beat em up section and like a outrun style racing section and stuff. And it's based around this arcade inside of there, inside of the actual game. So basically, there's like kind of like mini games of these, you know, old 16 bit, 8 bit style arcade games inside of like this 16 bit, like I almost look cyberpunk or something. But, you know, I like the idea of taking that classic, fun, retro thing and adding like a storyline to it. The narrator in that story, uh, that trailer, she's like, it's not just a racing game. It's not just a fighting game. This is my life. You know, and then it zooms out and it's arcade and then you have like a storyline based around these games. I thought that was really cool. And just seeing like different takes on that's fun. And I, I like the new ideas too. like uh, the I, the narrative adventures have been fascinating to me, especially like Oxenfree, which it's kind of like a, they have like this cool dialogue tree where it's you can't tell there's not really a negative connotation to any of them there's like three bubbles that'll pop up above their head when they're talking and they're all different sayings but you don't know which one's going to be the negative or the positive so you know it could be like hey how are you doing and it could be like oh i'm fine or i'm doing great or you know it has this kind of like different sentences that you can do and it kind of makes the storyline your own which is cool i do like to see just developers take different styles and play with them and see new things open up i do like open world games too um i do feel like some of them are a little bit samey especially when it comes to like ubisoft titles like the thing is is according to a lot of people that like newest assassin's creed was this groundbreaking one of the best games ever and then i i'm just looking at it like it's a huge game but it kind of just looks like more assassin's creed it's hard for me to pick sometimes, like my the next game too, because I'm like, you know, that kind of looks like that last game I played. But and then I I say that right, and then I'm sitting here like super excited for Doom Eternal, which you could be that dismissive about, like, oh my god, well that's just like that other Doom game that you played a couple years ago, just a different setting. You know, I, I you could be I could be dismissive about that too. So it's like, uh, when it comes to like games, I I like to see what people create um i don't think i was i will ever be in the scenario where i'll be a part of something like that creating something 
you know, because this is like this big undertaking. I know no matter what game, it's I this the thing you always hear. I'm not you're the game developer, so you probably know this. You, you definitely know this more than me that creating a game is kind of like a magic trick because all these pieces have to come together, and it's kind of cool to see like different styles and what people come up with like and i i like to just go in and experience all that talk to me a little bit about the the club how you get there how you notice that how you get into it uh, the, the cartridge club i mean let's see there's a podcast if you're part of the retro uh, cartridge club you probably heard of it, it's retro rejects so i had been working overnight shifts for a couple of years and i would always just listen to music and then i just started deciding like you know what i'm gonna start getting into some podcasts and that was the one at that time period i was very interested in collecting games and now i'm not as interested but that's a different story but i was like you know retro games are interesting to me i want to hear people talk about them so i looked up a bunch of retro podcasts and that one popped up and um i've heard about the cartridge club from that and that was like a long time ago i don't even know and the cartridge brothers were both on like the second or third episode of that so I kind of had like this passing interest and I knew about the club, but I always thought, you know, I was dismissive. I'm like, eh, you know, I don't, I don't need that. Whatever. You know, I, I'm, I just like, I don't have time. I was like, I figured I kind of said I didn't have time to be a part of any community, you know, and I had been a part of some communities in the past. I'm like, eh, you know, everybody kind of like fades away after a while or whatever. So I didn't, I was like, whatever. And then, uh, I think it's been like almost three, two and a half, three years ago, I was sitting down and, you know, I had listened to some of the Cartridge Club podcast itself, the game of the month. Um, I had listened to some Retro Fandango. I wasn't like super caught up or anything at the time. Um, that was That's kind of like the offshoot of the Cartridge Club main podcast. I went and I just looked at the forum and I joined the forum just out of nowhere. Just you know what, let's, let's, let's try this out. Let's talk to some of these people. And then I just started, and this, this kind of started a little bit before I started my podcast. Cause I was like, you know, these people, I know all these people make podcasts and they're a part of this, you know, group. Let's just see if I can talk to some of these people and see how they feel. And then I started making a podcast and I was listening to Cartridge Club Weekly at the time. And I heard him mention frantic thoughts. I was like, what, why, why are they mentioning my podcast? Like I, I'm barely a part of this. And then I just kind of like became part of the group. Like they just like, you know what? This new guy's here. We'll accept him, you know? And that, I thought that was really cool. And, you know, ever since then, I've tried to do and be part of as much stuff as I possibly can, you know, with the community. So it's, I think it's, it's such a different group because like I said, they're just like, this new guy's here. He's, he's part of the group. He's always been here. You know, that's how it felt. And a lot of times, like, you go to a community and you're like, hey, what's up? He's like, oh, well, we have our own thing over here, you know, and they don't just embrace you, which the Cartridge Club really does. They're all great people. So and uh, you find out more and more that they're great people the longer you're around them, too. So it's kind of like a little family on the Internet, which is great. And they actually call the Cartridge Club convention the family reunion. At least they did last year. I was like, you know, this is kind of a sweet sentiment, you know. <laughs> This is the final part of this recording. It's a questionnaire. There are 10 questions. There's no right or wrong answers. So, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. 
So the first question is a game you love. The easy answer is Minecraft, but I would actually, if I was realistic with myself, the game I loved would be Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero 3 specifically. A game you hate. Game I hate. Oh, okay, let's see. I'm trying to think. Like one game I would not play. I guess I would go with like um, Ghost and Goblins from the arcade. And I could say I like the game from like the first few levels, but the challenging part of it just frustrates me so much that I get to the point where I hate it. Uh, games wise, what turns you on? Turns me on. Huh. Being challenged and having something make me think critically about something else or make me have a new perspective. What turns you off? Overly monetized games to the point where it kind of kills the loop of it. A good example would be Call of Duty Black Ops, which I used to love the game just from the gameplay standpoint online, but the monetization just in the loot box grind on that game just completely just killed my enjoyment of it. A sound effect that you love. Yoshi's Island. Not the baby crying. That's not where I'm going. But uh, I really like the sound effect whenever you pick up the sunflower um, item. I, I just love that sound effect. I don't know why. It's stupid. A sound effect that you hate? Sound effect I hate. Uh, Amnesia Dark Descent. There's like this place. There's like this pool of water and this monster comes up from behind you. And it's just like a horrible sound. I hate that sound because of how unnerving it made me. <laughs> Your favorite in-game power-up? My mind goes Mario instantly. You know what I really like is the hat in Super Mario Odyssey. That's my favorite power-up. A game character that you would like to be? I'm just going to say Spider-Man. Come on. In any particular game? I do like the Spider-Man PS4 take on Spider-Man. I thought he was a good character. So, A game character that you would not like to be? Kratos. He has such a tragic storyline. I don't think I would want to be him. Again, in any particular game? Of course, like the newer one, he has more of a, of a redemption. But the original three, he just, his revenge just overcame him to the point where he just destroyed everything, which I don't think I would want to be a part of that. <laughs> and the last question is, imagine you could play any game, unreleased, real or imaginary. What game would that be? The game that I've always kind of wanted to see come to life is kind of a cross between Flower and a platforming game. So if you ever play Flower, you kind of have flower petals that drive right around and make everything beautiful so it's just it's the worn out city and you are a piece of spray painted artwork like a stick like maybe not a stick figure but a character on the walls of a city and your goal is to do these platforming challenges to make everything turn into spray painted version of the city so you turn this disgusting horrible city through platforming into like this beautiful graffiti city I would love to make that game if I had the ability, but that's always kind of like something that I was like, I like the idea of turning something gross and grotesque into something beautiful by the end of it. So that's always been kind of like one of the game ideas that I was like, man, that'd be such a cool idea.